This is the Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G Podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G. This is a little bit overdue uh, because I've watched the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe film, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, yesterday. And I was intending to drop my review of the film, but had a little bit of a delay. Nonetheless, I'm excited to share my thoughts on the film tonight. I'm going to break it down into three categories. Uh, The first is my thoughts on the film, why I liked it. And then uh, the second part will, will be just a brief overview of what I didn't like about the movie. And then I just want to talk about some lingering questions that I had coming out of the film. So, so let's start with what I liked about the movie. And there was a, quite a bit to like, you know. One of the surprising points was the Rocket Raccoon story arc. Um, Rocket, who was played by uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, gave a fantastic performance. I mean, this movie gave Rocket Raccoon the story that I didn't know I needed. I definitely have a much deeper affinity for the character after watching the film. You know, in a strange way, Rocket's story arc made me think a little bit about Weapon X, especially when Rocket decided to escape certain death from his maker, the High Evolutionary, who was played by Chuck Woody Wooji uh, in the film, who is a fantastic actor. Um, just a brilliant actor and his chops were on display in this movie but you know Rocket's story I think just had so much depth that it was just enjoyable far more that I, I found far more enjoyable um, well beyond his escape I particularly loved his connections with Lila who's the anthropomorphic uh, otter played by Linda Carlini, um, I thought that their connections in the film were just quite really dynamic. You know, I, you know, just watching a raccoon and, and an otter have that kind of dialogue was strange, but in a really nice way. You know, um, that that aspect aspect of the film really brought a lot of emotions out for me. Um, I just loved how their story. I loved how Rocket's story overall seemed to really intertwine well with the film's frenetic pace um, as the Guardians were racing against time to try to save an ailing Rocket throughout most of the film. And that, that brings me to another point that I enjoyed, which was the overall chemistry between most of the core Guardians characters. So Peter Quill, Star-Lord, uh, played by Chris Pratt. Nebula, played by Karen Gillian. Mantis, uh, who is once again reprised by Palm Clementif. Uh, Drax, by Dave Bautista. And Vin Diesel's Groot, which is, who's amazing, by the way. I mean, for, for Groot to have that one line and for it to mean so much throughout the franchise... And for it to be so iconic, I think it's just, um, it's great. Yeah, it's, you know, I think Marvel, kudos to Marvel and James Gunn for 
unearthing all of this potential with, you know, a lesser known group of characters from the depths of Marvel, the Marvel Universe with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I, I've, I've enjoyed watching all three films and but this one in particular, I thought the, the chemistry, you could feel the chemistry between the, the actors throughout the film. Um, I particularly found the, the personal dynamics between um, Quill and Nebula to be odd in a very interesting way throughout the film. Because they both struggled to come to terms with, especially Quill, with the, the post-Avengers in-game version of Gamora played by Zoe Saldana. You know, speaking of Endgame, I, I, I really liked how this film threads several plots from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and the outcome of the Infinity Saga into this film. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not just referring to um, any, kind, any mention of the snap, but the impact that the Guardians felt from their interactions with uh, Josh Brolin's Thanos, who was father of Gamora and Nebula from Infinity War, which remains one of my favorite all-time films, in part because you can, you can still feel the stakes from that movie all the way up to here in you know, Volume 3 of Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, that film, Infinity War, I mean, particularly for the Guardians, I mean, it, it left some stains, it left some marks, and and you can feel that. You can see that. You can feel that in this movie. So I appreciated uh, uh, Gun James Gunn keeping good on his promise to you know to really revisit some of that, but also to tie in um, some key points from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, particularly you know the the uh, interactions with the Sovereign. Whose leader Aisha, played by Elizabeth Debicki, who um, reprises her role in this film after she vowed at the end of Volume Two to find and kill the Guardians by sending her quote-unquote son, her creation, Adam Warlock, played by Will Poulter, after the Guardians. By the way, I was more than pleasantly surprised with how much Adam Warlock we got in this movie. Could have been more, but I thought Poulter delivered a believable performance of a nascent godlike character with the potential to grow to something closer to some iteration of what we get of what we get in, in the comics. I mean I understand this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But we're talking about a godlike character made a cosmic entity with Adam Warlock and so um, I like the fact that they decided to go young and to give us you know a fairly young innocent naive version of Adam Warlock almost like a baby and I I, I, I dig that I dig that I mean he's still you know far more powerful than anyone else in the film but he's you know just so raw and so young and so I appreciate it I appreciated how they made that work I thought and I thought Poulter was believable he was very believable for this iteration of Adam Warlock so kudos to them I, I didn't think they could pull that off but man um, that worked out way better than I thought um, I wish we could have had a little bit more but I mean what we got was fantastic and but 
you know, the story, though. Overall, I enjoyed the flow of the plot in this one more than Volume 2. I think there was some serious payoff for diehard Guardians of the Galaxy fans and just general fans of the MCU. With all the subtle references to plot points from the first two films and, and definitely the culmination of the Infinity Saga uh, with Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, um, it, it just felt like the story would have been excellent for a 2020 release for which it was originally planned before Gunn was fired by Disney in 2018 for some old tweets that were, that were, that, that were dealing with dicey controversial topics um, that some conservatives conservatives if we want to call them that but some conservatives decided to resurface those tweets for whatever reason well Gunn was eventually rehired after pressure from Hollywood different corners of Hollywood and from fans but the damage was done Uh, uh, this movie would be delayed for at least a year and then you have the pandemic and and so, lo and behold, you know, instead of a 2020 re- release, we get 2023. And it's great. It's still a great movie. But, man, had it come in 2020, who knows? I mean, but, you know, the, the, the impact is still there. You still feel the impact of, of, of the Infinity Saga in Volume 2. So, now, this... For this to be Gunn's final movie, though, I mean, this is a way, what a way to end his run with the MCU. And he didn't disappoint with his selection for uh, an antagonist by picking the high evolutionary. I mean, Iwuji's portrayal, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but Iwuji's portrayal of this critical Marvel character, in my opinion, he's a critical character. Um, It just... To me, it introduces perhaps the most complex antagonist um, in the MCU outside of maybe Loki. I mean, you know, listen, the High Evolutionary is one of the more relevant characters to the entire Marvel Universe. Now, um, I don't think that was evidently clear in the film, but I felt like this iteration of a deeply flawed scientist I thought went I think it delved quite a bit into his ideology which I found to be insanely fun and frightening Um, but um, unfortunately though this also leads into some of the things that I didn't necessarily like about the film and there aren't many things that I didn't like about the film but I I felt like um, so as great as it was to have the high evolutionary um, in the film, I thought um, they could have spent a little bit more time with his background. Um, you know, like, you know, we, for instance, you know, where was the barrier between his humanity and his seemingly endless intellect and powers and just deeply flawed psychosis? I mean, like, where, like, there's just so much going on with this guy that, you know, it, I felt that the gun could have fleshed out more of this character throughout the film or, you know, and maybe in, in, in exchange for, you know, 
less of some of the filler-like dialogue that I thought sort of packed the beginning and ending of the film. I mean, you know, those sections didn't drag on for too long, but I felt both ends of the movie were probably anywhere from five to seven minutes too long. So, you know, those sections, you know, they could have been trimmed a little bit too. And, and that, that time could have been repurposed to give us, give us a little more backstory on the high evolutionary. You know, give us a little bit more, you know, origin, some more, you know, some, give, give us give us some details on, you know, his, on his research, his ambitions, you know, where his powers come from or what other research that he's been doing that, you know, may in some way give us clues into you know, perhaps some other forms of mutations, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, what we got was great, but um, I felt like, you know, there was a missed opportunity in that sense. Now, I also thought the use of the Ravagers was okay. I mean, I kind of expected more from Craglin, who was played by Sean Gunn, uh, who I thought was great. A great sidekick to Yandu, um, played by Michael Rucker, who uh, the former leader of the Ravagers, who died at the end of Volume Two. Listen, I enjoy Gunn's performance in that film, but not so much in this one. Um, in Volume Three, his performance was a little underwhelming. I also thought Sylvester Stallone's appearance in the film was a little cringy. Um, I mean, sure, it's great to have. An icon like Stallone reprised his role in the movie, but it just, to me, it just felt a little cringy. I don't know. It was also a little disappointing to see Nathan Fillion in the film because his role was somewhat benign. I mean, it was kind of relevant, but not really. I mean, they could have had anyone do that role. I mean, it was... listen. He was hilarious, but it just seemed a little underwhelming because he's such a great actor and has long been rumored for so many different roles in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was just surprised and a little disappointed by his eventual appearance, um, kind of like how I was disappointed, like many fans were, uh, during uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness when we finally got the quote-unquote Illuminati yeah, I know there's, there's lots of questions about, you know, how much this film is making relative to Doctor Strange. But listen, Doctor Strange, it rode it rode a, a serious hype train. I mean, like a serious hype train. I mean, that, you know, it wasn't just Doctor Strange. People were hyped because that was supposed to be the, the multiverse movie, the movie that opens up the the, the floodgates into all that's possible with the multiverse different versions of characters and you know Reed Richards and Charles Xavier and on and on and on and and it it fell flat you know um sure multiverse of madness was a box office success but it was disappointing and I felt like you know so when I saw Nathan Fillion on the screen I thought man it's great to see him on the screen, but it kind of sucks, you know, because, you know, I was kind of hoping to see him in a, a more meaningful character, but, oh well. But that kind of leads me to um, 
some lingering questions, which is my final section of comments on the film. You know what? I walked out of the movie just... I just had a number of questions that I just couldn't shake. You know, and quite frankly, you know, they were they were running through my mind during the film too. Um, well, the first one was, you know, the you know question come the first immediate question was, you know, whether or not they just killed off one of the most relevant characters to the entire Marvel universe uh, with the High Evolutionary. I mean, I realize that this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the High Evolutionary is a character that could live on well into phase seven or eight should Disney and Marvel have the stamina to outlast what Gunn has planned at DC Films. You know, you know, whether the character is reprised by Iwuji or not, I mean, this can't be the last time we see the high evolutionary, right? I mean, I hope not, you know, but I don't know. So that was a question. And then, you know, and then another question that I had during the film and after was, you know, what happened with Thor, Love and Thunder and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania? What happened? You know, how could those films miss so badly with, you know, the characters and the cast that they had? I, I just don't understand. I don't understand what could have happened. That's what kept running through my mind. Like, how could how could Love and Thunder and Quantumania miss so badly like I mean man I, look I'll just say it like I just I just shook my head at different points in the, in the film just like I just I didn't understand and the, and the Guardians were in Love and Thunder briefly but I don't know man I don't know what happened but those movies they just I mean they just don't compare I mean the Guardians the Guardians Volume 3 blows those two movies out of the water. I mean, my God. Wow. Wow. And, you know, you had... You had... Thor, Love and Thunder had Gore the God Butcher. And, of course, you know, Quantumania with Kang. I, I just don't get it. I don't... I don't I don't understand. Like, I know people have been piling on with, you know, the different concepts that have been introduced with the Disney Plus shows, but I am all for what they're doing with Disney Plus. I have no issues with the Disney Plus shows at all, all right? I think Marvel is setting up the future MCU, and I think it's great, you know? But, you know, I don't get what the deal is with these recent MCU films, though. I just don't get it. Um, I just, I don't know. Um, and then... Thinking about what's next for Rocket Raccoon, you know, that film really delves into Rocket's gifts and abilities in a way that makes you think that the best is yet to come. I mean, perhaps uh, Rocket will have an essential role in the coming Avengers films. I mean, Rocket was able to figure out what even the high evolutionary couldn't, right? So, like, what's so special about Rocket? I mean, you know, like, there's a lot that they could do with that character. So it'll be interesting to see if they do anything with that plot thread so so where the mcu goes from here though is like the big question like what do they do yes i know i feel your pain i feel your pain i wonder too like you know where do they go from here i mean i think i don't know look um i think you know the the little ones have barged in and so maybe this is a 
a place to end it, but yeah, I just shook my head thinking like, where does the MCU go from here? I mean, wow. You know, well, I really loved Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but man, it just reminded me of what I've been missing from some of the other recent MCU flicks, I mean, which is worrisome. I mean, I was delighted by the culminating story in, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but I felt so much uncertainty about where the MCU goes from here. I mean, listen, I'm, I have my fingers crossed, man. I'm hoping for great things. I'll be honest with you. Um, personally, I'm waiting for the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. I know they have other things coming out, and I'm going to watch them. But I'll be honest, I just, I just want to see. I want to see what they do with Doom and and the, and the Fantastic Four and eventually the mutants. If they can nail that, it all will be well. You know, and then some other projects too. Like you know, I think the Captain America new, new you know New World Order film should be interesting. And the Marvels, you know, listen, I like the Marvels. I just, you know, but I'm really looking forward to the Fantastic Four, okay? Alright, well, I'm going to end it there. Um, as, uh, you know, this is a... Uh, I've dragged this long enough. If you haven't seen the film, go check it out. Great movie. Worth the price of admission. And hopefully things get better from here. Thanks for listening. And uh, drop me a line. You know where to find me. Until next time. I'm out. This is the Cool Meanderings podcast with Dr. Germ G.